The Dental Download Podcast is your source for insight into dental school, conversations with dentists, specialists, and leaders in the industry. With new episodes every Monday morning, I'm your host, Haley Schultz. Let's get into this week's episode. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay. Hi, everyone. So today we have another guest here, and I'm going to let Dr. Phelps introduce himself a little bit. Hello, hello, Dr. Chris Phelps, uh, general dentist in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, But I should back that up and really tell you that uh, I'm an entrepreneur who happens to be a pretty good dentist, (laughs) Uh, something I've discovered in in my journey and travels throughout time. Uh, this coming year, 2023, will be my 20th year out of dental school. So I've got a big 20-year uh, anniversary coming up, which is kind of crazy. So much happened and so much done over the last 20 years, but uh, it's been a good been a good ride and a good profession. So I practice in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, I've been a multiple practice owner. At one time, I had four fee-for-service practices, uh, as well as some other companies I've started to uh, help us as dentists out in this field. Awesome. I'm excited to hear more about how you got to where you are, what the journey has been like, and see what information you can share with us. So looking back at your career from dental school to now, what did you kind of hope your life would look like at this point? And how is that similar to what you wanted and how have things changed? Yeah, you know, I kind of, my goal was getting out of school was to uh, growth for growth's sake was kind of my mindset. Uh, just, you know, build up a practice, buy or build another one and build that up, buy or build another one and build that up and buy or build another one with the goal of having um, kind of passive income streams, um, you know, making them independent of me and then having income streams where, you know, you know, a check comes in just for me waking up every day, which was kind of nice. And then giving me autonomy and freedom of time to go do and work on whatever else I wanted to work on, whether that be patient care or other things. So that was kind of the goal setting out. And I thought to get to that passive income stream, it was going to be that growth for growth sake. But about probably seven, eight years into my career, I made a big change and changed my mindset. And because when you have four offices and you're basically running and making all the decisions for the four offices. And I was doing all the marketing for the four offices and still trying to do five days of clinical dentistry. And uh, at that time, there, you know, there's very little I don't do from sedation to implants to root canals, you know, the full gambit of dentistry. It's a lot. <laughs> and, uh, you know, as well, I can juggle with the best of them, but at some point, everybody's cup runneth over, right? And so I realized I needed to kind of buy back my time. And uh, so I sold my two best offices, the highest producing, most profitable ones. And I took over the two least productive ones, the least profitable ones, and began trying to change my mindset to maximizing capacity what I had. And really get trying to get the goal at that point was to get those two offices to do the production and collections that the four offices were doing, which they did. And then I sold one of those and my goal is get one office to do what the four used to do. 
same kind of thing, maximize that capacity. And it did. <laughs> but all the while that allowed me and freed my time up to build these other companies. And I realized it's these other companies that were going to get me to my passive income goal a lot easier than, than practices. So that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, so admirable how much success you've had in so many different ways. What would you say is in your mind, like the ideal dental practice in terms of scope, like how many operatories, how many associates were you employing at these practices as they were able to grow and scale like that? Yeah. You know, to make the practice independent of me, so to speak, uh, the old rule of thumb is it takes two to replace you. Meaning you need at least one doctor to kind of help cover the overhead. And then the other doctor you'd make money off of as an owner kind of thing. So to, and to have a successful new patient flow somewhere around 30 to 34 new patients a month, assuming they have some hygienists to check. If they have no hygiene to check, then they need about 50, 55 new patients a month on average to build their practice within your practice, so to speak. And, and I knew, so ideally most doctors have two hygienists. So now we're talking, if I've got two doctors and they got two chairs each, uh, and each of those has two hygienists, now we're talking about eight chairs. So that was really kind of the sweet spot I came up with that my operators needed at least, or my facilities needed to have at least eight chair capacity to be independent of me. So two doctors and four hygienists. But the truth of the matter is that could be uh, four doctors with a chair each and four hygienists, right? It could be one doctor who could work and keep four chairs full and four hygienists, right? So, but on average, I'd say, you know, eight chairs, two per doc, two and two hygienists per doc is a, is a good number to shoot for. And you could be extremely productive and profitable with that, that kind of system. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's kind of what I was expecting to hear from my forward thinking, I'm like, okay, I think I probably want about eight or nine ops in my office just for that ability to grow one day. And ideally for me, I really love having this conversation with you because I would also like to have practices running independently, but own them and just make sure that they're functioning well. And I think something I'm really passionate about too is mentoring and teaching. And I feel like as I was more skilled, once I'm not a new grad, being able to help younger associates jumpstart their career is something I'm also looking forward to. So I'm enjoying this conversation, getting to kind of see how you got from A to B where you are now. What yeah. were some of your like favorite resources when it comes to learning the ins and outs of business? Cause you're really not taught any of that in dental school. Yeah, no doubt. Um, well, you know, what's interesting, you know, back in my day when we graduated 20 years ago, uh, the online stuff that you have available today, such as podcasts and dental magazines and, you know, Dental Town, even in fact, Dental Town was probably the first really good resource that was available for docs to, to tap into. Otherwise, you had to pay somebody for the knowledge. You had to pay a consultant, you had to pay a coach or and what have you. So, you know, I had to go that route for the most part. And I spent, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars working with more consultants and coaches outside of dentistry to try to teach me how to be a better entrepreneur and run my teams and and all those kinds of things. So nowadays, though, good Lord, you could learn everything you need just by getting on dental Facebook groups and listening to podcasts like this and 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 finding someone that resonates with you and seek them out as a, as a coach and a mentor. Um, man, that would have shortened my curve <laughs> for sure. And, you know, there's a, especially this, this generation, there's so many great books and stuff written, like, you know, I'll you know, brag on myself, but like I wrote a textbook on dental marketing, right? So that's there. You want to learn everything that I had to learn the hard way. 
now you can get access to it. Or Travis Campbell wrote a great phenomenal book on uh, dental insurance from the doctor's point of view. So now if you want an insurance run practice or maximize it, there's no more guessing anymore. He's literally got the playbook. Uh, so we're in a pretty cool time between print and online sources that uh, the answers are out there. You just got to be diligent to go find them. That's very true. And I was also wondering, you've talked about your book, you've talked about having other business endeavors outside of your practice. What are some of those things that you're doing outside of clinical dentistry? Yeah. So uh, I have a call center that I started called Golden Goose Scheduling. And basically we help offices answer and schedule more new patient calls uh, in the U.S. and Canada. And I started that because of a call tracking company was my first real business outside of my dental practice. And because I needed help tracking marketing, when I sold my two best offices and I took over my two worst ones, I was spending $36,000 a month in dental marketing to get 60 new patients for my efforts. So 30 at one office and 30 at the other. Well, you don't have to be a marketing genius to realize 36,000 for 60 people is not a fun check to write every month. Something is not going on there. But at the time, no one could give me the data to tell me why. What's going on? Is it the advertisers not doing what they're supposed to, not bringing in the leads and the opportunities? Or is it this other side of the coin I call the lost opportunity side where we weren't answering the phone calls and we weren't making appointments and we weren't influencing people to show? And what I found out from my team was that we did not answer 254 marketing-based new patient phone calls a month. <laughs> just didn't pick up the phone. Just rang, rang, voicemail, caller hung up, whatever. And if we did answer, we only made an appointment around 34% of the time with a 17% no-show rate. So automatically, I could see very clearly with tracking it properly where the problem was. It was more my team than anything else. But it was good data to help me solve that problem and get my you know, strategies to answer more new patient calls and get our team's conversions up so that we can schedule more and influence people to show. Well, that was how I was able to go from 60 a month to 300 fee-for-service new patients a month. But instead of spending 36000 now I only had to spend 9600 to get them. So I was able to cut my marketing 74% as a result. So, you know, that was kind of key. And so the call center was basically birth out of those lessons I had to learn. Like, what did I have to do to get my team to be ideal on the phone? And what were the barriers, the barriers patients put up to scheduling that the team isn't really trained to handle or recognize? And what are the barriers our team puts up to scheduling? Why are they pushing patients away? Because they are, right? And how to get them over that bias, so to speak, uh, and give them some skills and language to help them over that. So that's what the, the call center does at Golden Goose. Um, you know, we help be back up to the team or, and or first in line so we can help them answer and schedule more new patient calls. Uh, a few, my first book was someone on dental membership plans called Grow Your Dental Membership Plan. Uh, that's on Amazon or on audible.com. Uh, if you don't, if you like my voice, uh, you can listen to the book <laughs> since, uh, Patrick Stewart was busy. He was unavailable to record my, do the recording for me. I had to do it myself. Um, but that one, you know, was one of those things that I used to help grow my practices as well during those years. And the dental membership plan, in my opinion, is the fee for service practice for tomorrow. That's what's going to be successful. And I, the psychology behind it, it just works and it makes total sense. So I started a company called Dental Membership Direct with another dentist and we help doctors, basically it's a billing service. So we help them create their membership plans, track their membership plans and bill their patients for those plans. So we can take one more thing off the team's plate and it, it doesn't stress the office out. It's not like another task for everybody to put up with, so to speak. Um, 
what else? Jeez. Uh, I have a clinical training program. So I teach doctors how to place dental implants here in North Carolina. We're a little unique in that we can, uh, I can provide live patients for doctors uh, so they can actually get real world experience. Um, so I can teach them how to safely and predictably make a hole. And regardless of what implant system, how to plug that hole <laughs> and make sure it's going to be around for the long run. And then get that experience on real patients so they're, they're confident to go back and cook in their own kitchen. Uh, and then through the Institute, we do a lot of uh, business coaching as well through communication, through the art of influence and persuasion, and through practice coaching as well. Just all the lessons I learned, like on how to set goals, realistic goals, how to reverse engineer, how that path to get to those goals, and how not to screw it up along the way like I did. <laughs> Wow. You are doing so much. And as I said, I feel like you're really giving back to the profession, like all the things you've learned over the years, which is amazing and makes me happy because I feel like a lot of people in my class and just new grads can be kind of discouraged with the future of dentistry. But I appreciate people that have been in the field and care about it and want people to be successful. So thank you for everything you're doing. Yeah, you're welcome. And you know what's funny? The more you understand about marketing, the more you'll realize there's enough patients out there for any kind of practice you want to have to be successful. There is. I don't care how many DSOs that are out there. I don't care if they're 99% of the market space, which they won't be. But worst case, right? They're going to be the majority. So maybe 50%, 51%, 60%, something to that effect. But there's still more than enough people out there to have the ideal practice that you want. But you got to understand how to market to attract them. That's really the key. Once you understand that, nothing stands in your way. Yeah, I was thinking about that as you were explaining all the different businesses and projects that you run. So for me, I have an easy like compare and contrast situation where I grew up in Michigan and then my parents moved down to Florida um, to kind of retire there, spend the winters there that sort of thing. And all of the dentists in Florida and their area are pretty much all fee for service. And we're, we're at in Metro Detroit where I grew up and the dentists I've had exposure to all take like the PPO plans. So it was totally different for them to go down there and work and like a, be patients in a fee for service setting. And I wonder what your advice usually is to someone that wants to have a fee for service practice in a market that the patients are used to having their provider be in network. How do you usually guide people through that? Yeah. So first and foremost, it comes from understanding just that, right? So it's so ingrained in our culture that we need to have dental insurance. Okay. Uh, that's where the people get hung up on it and why they, some people feel like they need to have an in-network provider. But the truth of the matter is of all the people that have dental insurance, 80% of them have no idea what it is or what it means. And they don't really care whether you're an in-network doctor or not. They actually prefer the experience over and the convenience of the appointment over everything else. So that's the, the perk. That's the benefit. You can still have a fee-for-service practice and cater to those patients um, and file their insurance and they'll get a reimbursement back for whatever it's going to cover, right? Without it having to hurt your business model. It's only a, a minority of them that are really hung up on this in-network thing, okay? Now, the other thing to factor in is that the number of people with dental insurance has steadily for the past 15 years not been going up every year. It's been going down. And I only see that trend continuing. That's why I said, so the DSOs have all the leverage in the insurance space, okay? Because they're big, large groups. They have buying power. They have leverage. So they can negotiate because of that with the insurance companies and get better reimbursements every year. Well, we know the insurance company is not in the business to pay out claims. 
<laughs> they're in the business to make money for their shareholders. And so if they pay more money to the DSOs for their shareholders to make money, that means they got to take it from somebody else. And who do they take it from? The independent practitioners, right? So ultimately, it's a game we can't win anyway. So I say, let the DSOs fight over that small piece of pie that's getting smaller and smaller every year. Well, it's getting larger. The majority, 70% of the population don't have insurance right now. That's where their membership plan comes into play. So you can actually start your fever service practice, focus on membership plans, already have a larger audience with less competition out there as a result. Okay. And again, the benefit of a membership plan is your reimbursements go up every year because you control it. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And exactly like you said, it's knowing how to communicate that with patients and also knowing how to, I'm assuming a lot of what you teach market to those people that don't have dental insurance and maybe you don't even go to the dentist. Like, how do you reach them? Is that something that you talk about in your book or through your different training courses? Yeah. Yeah. So the complete book on dental marketing is what it's called. But uh, the first half of the book is all about mindsets and how to attract your ideal new patient, whatever that is. But it's going to help you get real clear on who that is, because it's not enough to say, I just want to butt in the chair. Right. Uh, you got to be more specific. And the better you can classify that person or categorize them, the more easier it's going to be to find them, so to speak. You know, so like early on in my career, like I targeted uh, people like myself who value time over money. So my ads were real simple. It was like bullet points and pictures and before and afters, and that's it. There wasn't a lot of meat or content to it because I know psychologically men tend to prefer simplicity when it comes to their advertisements, right? So who I was attracting were people, the guys like myself who were like business people and they were like, look, if we can do it today, I'm all in, but I don't have time to come back. So that's what I mean. They value time over money. So I got a lot of comprehensive care done because as a new doctor, guess what I had a, tons of time. <laughs> yeah, we can get it all done today. Okay, great. Let's do it. But as we transitioned and I brought on other associates and I needed to fill their chairs, well, then our market kind of changed to more like we had to bring in the soccer moms or we had to bring in, you know, the, the female of the household, so to speak, because they tend to bring the, the other people to you know, the husbands, the kids, et cetera, for your family kind of practice. And then as we, uh, me and my doctors got more educated and trained in different of the dental specialties, then guess what? Well, now we're looking for a, a higher classification of patients, somebody with a failed dentition or terminal dentition or, you know, so as time goes on, the better you get at marketing, the better you'll see, you know, you can, they're all out there. It's just, how are you going to reach them? That's really the missing piece. But at least now I tried to write the book to teach doctors to do just that. So. Yeah, I need, need to get my hands on a copy. It sounds like there's gold information in there. So, um, Which, it would have saved me a lot of money had I had it on the front end. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that was actually what my next question was going to be about. So, thinking back to when you were in dental school or those first couple years as a new grad, is there anything specific that you did that you feel like really helped you? Um, you know, I, I guess thinking back on it. The biggest thing was dedicating time without realizing it, right? So, you know, me as an undergrad student versus me as a dental school student was like a tale of two cities. They were two different people. Undergrad for me was tough because it was like a hoop to jump through to get to where I really wanted to go. So it was hard for me to get motivated and do my absolute best when I'm sitting there trying to answer questions like, why do I need to know the life cycle of a tree? This makes no sense to me, right? 
But when I got to dental school, I was like, all right, this is what I want to do, right? This is what I'm here for. This is my craft. So, you know, I went from being probably last in the class in undergrad to being one of the first in the class in dental school. So, but to do that, I had to dedicate the time it took to really digest the material and understand it, right? Well, the same applies in the dental world, right? So too often we look at our dental practice and we make decisions reactively, right? We wait till the fire comes up and then we, oh, shoot, what do we do? Then we were motivated to do something about it while we're distracted with 15 other things, okay? So what a big lesson I learned was being more scheduling the time outside of clinical time and being more strategic and more proactive in my thinking about the business, that's really when I was able to to grow those two practices to do more than the four did, right? And then the with one practice more than the four did, because I dedicated the time to think about it and get and think about it as a real business, not just being stuck at the chair and oh, let me figure this out now after the fact. So I think learning how to be very good at scheduling time to think about your business, even if it's just a day a month, is what you start. Eventually, you can get to a day a week. Ideally, that's that's the goal. Right. And you make progress along the way. But the sooner you can get into a proactive mindset thinking versus always being reactive, the more successful you're going to be and the less mistakes you're going to make along the way. That's great advice. That's very wise. I'm going to keep that in my head. I definitely think about those forward thinking and planning ahead, but it's one thing to say, oh, yeah, I should take some time to do that. And it's another thing to actually set aside the time, like you're saying, and do that. Well, people's biggest fear when doing this is it's called scarcity is one of the principles I talk about. And our brain always goes to what we're going to miss out on, right? Or lose. So you schedule a day and you're thinking, oh, I'm going to lose production because I'm taking a Friday off or I'm taking a Thursday off or whatever. But the reality is if you schedule it out far enough, three or four weeks out, so to speak, because of the scarcity of that time coming, your brain is actually going to be more focused and present today and leading every day leading up to that event. And guess what? You're going to do more and be more productive in the days leading up to it. And in fact, if you looked at it as an average, you probably would have collected the same, even though you took the day off. Okay. So the key is just give yourself time. Like don't schedule it tomorrow when you didn't plan for it. Book it out a couple of weeks and then bust a move <laughs> every day up until then. And guess what? It won't have to cost you to take the time off even. That makes a lot of sense. So something else I was thinking about because again, a lot of new grads work for someone for a little bit before they get into ownership. Do you view marketing as solely for the dental practice or do you view it also for the dentist providing the care? Like if I was an associate in someone else's office, do you think there's things the associate should be doing in terms of marketing for themselves to get patients or contributing to marketing for the practice? Yeah. I mean, definitely. It's, it's always in your best interest to try to get patients in front of you, right? Uh, and I do think ultimately it's, it's the practice's responsibility to feed your opportunities, okay? But I'm all for associates that are willing to help out along the way because a lot of the stuff, uh, marketing mediums I talk about in the book are more non-traditional stuff like what we call grassroots marketing. So going to retirement communities, for instance, where my target market is and doing uh, educational seminars, right? And using that as a lead generation tool to attract people to your practice or uh, joining a network marketing group called like BNI, Business Network International. And you go have brunch or breakfast one day a week with a group of other professionals, uh, a lawyer, an accountant, a financial advisor, a chiropractor, what have you. And then you cross-refer 
right? And so you you build your network and then you refer to them. And guess what? They refer to you. And we tend to get the better of the deal out of that <laughs> in those situations. Um, and, and that stuff, it's what I like about the grassroots stuff is it doesn't cost you a lot of money. It just costs you time. Like, you know, you've got this great new platform called Nextdoor, right? And just like Facebook, it's another social proof uh, platform. And social proof is, again, one of those principles I speak on where we, we look to the evidence, what others are doing to show or tell us what we should be doing. So anytime you know your target market is all congregating somewhere, in this case on an app, and they're all talking to each other because they all live near each other. Well, guess what? Dental questions pop up in those communities every day. So I mean, take the time once a day to troll those things and do a search for dental and see what comes up and see what questions people are asking and just give them good answers. Don't try to sell them on you because they, they can find you. Your name's there, Dr. Chris Phelps. Uh, I don't have to try to promote my practice, but when I just give them genuine answers with the caveat, I say, look, I can't diagnose you because that's how you protect yourself legally because I, I don't have any records. But what I'm hearing, it could be a couple of things. And here's a couple of ranges it could be. So get checked out. Right. But try to give them good answers. And then they start looking to use their authority because you didn't try to sell them. You tried to educate them. And now when they want the expert and it's time for them to pick a dentist, guess who they tend to choose? right? The one supporting their community. And again, that stuff just costs time. It, it doesn't have to cost you a lot of money and it's easy to do. And it's a valuable skill set to build because one day you may be the practice owner. So why not build this up, right? The people you have these best relationships with, if you ever take off, guess who they're following? You. So for your different practices, were they all relatively close to each other or were they spread out by 10, 20 miles? And then in addition to that, I was wondering, I feel like you were saying patients really appreciate when their dental practice is involved in their community. How do you stay involved in a community for all the different practices? Yeah, good question. So, you know, geographically, they're all about 10 miles apart from each other within eight to 10 miles, so to speak, with the exception one being uh, about two and a half hours away was the outlier kind of thing. The, the, the challenge is if if you can't have a doctor show up for work that day, then you got to work it <laughs> or nothing's getting done or you're shutting down. Right. So that's really the caveat of, you know, like with that practice, that was, you know, two and a half hours away. I couldn't get in the car and just be there. Right. So we were really dependent on making sure I had multiple doctors there to cover just in case one doctor there would have been tough. And if they were out, nothing gets done. We lose money. So you want them somewhat close for that aspect, because if you had to step into it, it's not a burden on you, if you will. How do you keep them in the community? Well, you do things like uh, we give back to our patients. Uh, we do patient appreciation parties every year and then invite our patients to invite other members of the community. And we get the, the town involved and bring the mayor down and all that kind of stuff and just celebrate our patients and, and the town, if you will. Um, we do a day free dental care for the community every year, right? Through a program called Dentistry from the Heart. And there's tons of great services like that or veteran programs uh, that you can do to help give people with real need uh, uh, and give back to them, so to speak. But every time I do the day of free dental care, I'm on the front page of the newspaper and I'm getting interviewed by the TV uh, programs, right? So it's great PR. And again, it shows my community that I support them. And I use that in my advertising by saying things like, hey, uh, when you support us, you support this community. And here's how, right? You, you know, we've already given, in this case, at the time, like $750,000 in dental care uh, back to our community. 
Uh, if you'd like to be a part of that, all you have to do is become one of our patients. When you support us, you support this community in that way. And I had a lot of patients come in saying that's the reason why they came in to see us. Because they like the fact that spending their money with us meant that a part of it went to take care of that too. So they feel like they got a, who doesn't like a twofer, right? <laughs> if you will. And then I worked with area businesses on what I call it a gift card program, uh, which I detail pretty heavily in the book. But leveraging local businesses and what I always like to say, let other people's giveaways be your gift. Because other businesses are competing on price like crazy right now, and they're giving their services away at some deep discount level. So my philosophy was always, well, if they're committed to giving it away, why wouldn't they let us give it away for them? So approaching businesses and say, look, you're already giving away this as a coupon. How about I give it away to my patients on your behalf to promote you as a $5 gift card for me? And all you got to do is honor the gift card. So when they show up, you give them the five bucks or 10 bucks off. Okay. So it's the best marketing that business will ever do because it literally only costs them when the person shows up. Okay. Whereas most marketing, you pay up front and hope somebody shows. At the same time, it's a win for the patients because I only let people in the gift card program that are good businesses, like people I want to support. And I love it when those people happen to be my own patients and who are small business owners. Okay. And at the same time, it's a win for the practice because we can leverage that principle of reciprocity. So when we give these gift cards to our patients and they generally thank us for what we've done for them and what we've given them, then we can ask for all kinds of things. Right? appointments, referrals, reviews, and they're more than happy to reciprocate in kind. Uh, but when you start doing this, and like I'd get 20 or 25 businesses uh, per office on this gift card program, and I'm sending them customers, well, guess what they do? They allow me to communicate with their customers, number one. But number two, anytime a dentist comes up in their business, they're promoting us and they're sending them our way. So now I'm getting other businesses as part of the community because I support them first, they support me. So. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Those are all amazing ideas. I'm excited to eventually graduate here and start implementing things like that. So I have one more question before we wrap up. You obviously do a lot. And as the kind of entrepreneur that you are, I'm sure you don't really like slowing down, but I wonder how you balance personal life and all of your different professional goals and activities. Yeah, great question. Uh, because in the early days, it was tough, you know. And I'm still, I'm not going to say it's perfect. I haven't perfected it by any means, uh, but it's a lot better than it used to be. And I think the real secret goes back to scheduling the time. And one of my mentors, a guy named Dan Sullivan, once said that, you know, entrepreneurs were wired that we we need to focus our attention and, you know, stop half-assing two things and just whole-ass one thing. And so if I'm at the practice, then my sole focus is on producing and making sure that patient has a great experience making sure that we connect with them, making sure they, they schedule for their next appointment, right? Uh, reviews, referrals, all those things are our focus. So I'm not distracting myself with social media and returning emails and dealing with employee crap. No, that's not the day for that. On planning days, those days we were talking about to schedule to think about your business, those are the days you deal with that stuff, right? And so everything gets pushed to those days so you can be more productive and get more done and solved as a result. But at the same time, the third piece of the puzzle is you need true free days, true days where because you've done all this planning now and dedicated the time away from the chair, now you can actually be free on the weekends to not think about the business, <laughs> not think about the practice. Because you, your brain needs time to recharge. It does. And if you don't make these boundaries for yourself and you keep blurring the lines, 
it will it will wear you out faster than it should. Okay, and so small fires suddenly start looking like forest fires that you can't put out. When in fact, that's not what they are. They're just blown out of proportion. So segmenting that time and protecting it, and then then realizing what do you do that it relaxes you, that energizes you, right? I know for me, it's uh, it's video games. <laughs> you know, I'm the Nintendo generation, so to speak. Uh, uh, you know, I still remember my first Nintendo and how I sold every toy that I had so I could buy one <laughs> kind of thing. And to this day, when I want to relax, I play video games because it it's just enough that it keeps my brain working because it never stops, as you said, right? But at the same time, it's not difficult thinking. It's not hard work. So it's actually relaxing for me. And it actually helps me recharge. But and it's different for everybody. Some people's playing golf, other people it's exercising. I mean, the key is to, to know thyself, right? To figure out what it is for you. And on those free days, free time, spend it doing something that you enjoy and that energizes you as a result. Thank you for that. So wrapping up, I want to know if you have any final advice, words of wisdom for dental students listening. You know what? The my word of advice is this. I know you, from what I've been told from what people are, most dental students are hearing in dental school is the, the, the chicken little scenario that the sky is falling and it is, and it isn't right. So things have definitely changed in dentistry over the last 20 years since I've been out. Um, we have to be better. We have to be smarter business people. We have to understand marketing. We have to do better at the stuff we're not taught. Right. That's the challenge. And it's getting harder as interest rates go up and, you know, uh, the DSOs become more prevalent. But even despite these challenges, you can still have whatever practice you want. Okay. You may not have it first day out, <laughs> but again, like anything else, you can build towards it. That's the good news. So just get clear on what you want, right? And, and never leave that as your goal. Sure, there will be side turns and things that will distract you for some periods of time. But ultimately, you can still get to where you want to go. Again, with the right planning, the right mentors and those kind of things. Uh, I still think dentistry is the best profession and the sky's the limit. That's encouraging to hear. So thank you for that. So if you want to remind people one more time, your different books, anything you think we should check out, and then also the best way people could contact you if they have any questions. Yeah, definitely. Uh, for content stuff, obviously you can check out the phelpsinstitute.com. I've got all kinds of video trainings for sale on there. Any and everything you could think of from communication, case acceptance, persuasion, marketing, uh, team training stuff, phone language skills, you name it. I've probably got a, all the grassroots training stuff, going to doing these seminars or retirement communities. I've got presentations you can use, like you name it. I probably got content on it, so to speak, uh, at the Phelps Institute. Uh, books wise, the grow your dental membership plan is on Amazon and audible. If you want to learn more about membership plans and how I use those to grow two of my offices, the complete book on dental marketing is also on Amazon. It's on uh, a place called BermanInstruments.com and edropublishing.com. So it's in three different areas. Um, you can always reach out to me at Chris at drphelpshelps.com. Uh, that was the only way I could get my patients to learn how to spell my name was when I realized that my last name is just the word helps with a P in front of it. So, you know, drphelpshelps.com. So Chris at Dr. Phelps helps uh, shoot me an email. Let me know you heard this and what you thought. And if I can help in any way, please let me try. Thank you so much, Dr. Phelps. This was great. You're welcome. Thank you.